0: In on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, we have what's almost a throwback show. haven't done one since the end of January. It's our Inside the Sports Car Paddock show, where after a somewhat recent event, we jump into the paddock, grab some interviews with folks who were involved, had something interesting to offer about what's coming up in the world of sports car racing. In this example, we are speaking to some fine folks. After the ELMS race, European Le Mans Series race at Paul Ricard. So, how much fun do we have here? Legend, starting off with an absolute legend, an ass-kicker of the highest order, Michelle Mouton. If you know your world rallying, then you, I don't have to tell you anymore. In retirement, Michelle has been a very important player in women's initiatives within the FIA. So she catches up here with our friend, my Week in Sports Cars co-pilot and brother, Graham Goodwin, from the Paul Ricard Paddock, speaking on a variety of great topics, including a plan that will continue next year with women racing in the WEC. We then move on to the president of the ACO, the fine folks who put on the 24 Hours of Le Mans, that being Pierre Fion. Graham as well, capturing all these, doing his best using his phone, and who knows what else, but running around the paddock before folks jet off then we close with two more interviews from the general hemisphere of united auto sports that being richard dean and zach brown co-owners of the team highly successful team obviously and also will owen one of the fine drivers an american who has turned his career towards europe and continues to do really solid things there so thanks to graham we have michelle mouton pierre Fillon. Richard Dean and Zach Brown, and then we close with our man from Texas, Will Owens, on Inside the Sports Car Paddock, almost six months after the last one, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, torontomotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets, USA.
1: Michelle, it's a year since we stood, you and I, just over there as the girls came off the podium. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Quite amazing progress, and they did you proud last year. Things are moving on. We've now got a brand new race team. Clearly, massive issue for Catherine. Um, these things happen.
2: Yeah, but this unfortunately is competition. Uh, it's part of the game. Uh, but for me, what is important is that this year we have two top team, and that for our top uh, drivers, a uh, woman driver. This is a big opportunity to, to join a professional team with professional condition. where then you don't have any excuse. It's not the team give you the car from the previous year, it's not the team that doesn't allow you to, to test and everything. So you have top conditions. So Then it's up to you to, to progress. But it's exactly what they needed. And uh, we can see that uh, you know, the Iron Dam are progressing. All of them are progressing a lot. And, uh, OK, Catherine was not lucky, really. But, sh- you know, she's recovering. She'll be back. Well, she will be back. She's, she's hard as nails. She's strong. She's she's, strong. She's, strong. she's a fighter. So she will be back. The operation went very well. So yeah. this was the most important. And uh, and she still gets the, the trust and the confidence from the team. And uh, this is uh, just exceptional.
1: What's changed within the sport in, in two ways? What's changed in terms of... If you like the corridors of power where you are with behind the sports what's changed in the attitudes there and also what's changed in terms of the level of interest from female drivers wanting to do this wanting to push we've seen with formula w that that's yeah, been yes, successful yes, yes. Mm-hmm. but what's changed in the last year or two to bring us to where we are now and what really comes next
2: but i think we we, we it's many years that we have uh, young girls and, and women in, uh, in uh, all the discipline, but there is a there is a time where you are in competition for many years, but you are always in the B team, uh, and this limit the condition. Limit, and this is for men like for mm-hmm. women. You know, it's no no difference, but because there are few of them, of course, it's more difficult. So I think. Uh, I think this to, to have the, this structure now at the top level is really very important, but also for us in the Commission, for the work we are doing since 10 years now, our pyramid is getting stronger and stronger, because now we have a very good, because if you don't have a, a strong base to help the young one to discover motorsport, yep. is what we are doing with Girls on Track. Uh, girls on track allow the very young one to to know to get a test of motorsport and if you don't get this test you even don't think about doing motorsport because I don't know any parents who are pushing to have their kid boy or girl in motorsport you know it's just so you must give them this test of uh, adrenaline and everything when they are very young uh, and help them to go all the way through and now You know, we we launched this uh, Rising Star program with a partnership with Ferrari and the Drivers' Academy. And this for me is a huge step because once you have started motorsport, then you start to have the difficulty, boys or girls, Mm -hmm. to find budget, to go up. Now this formula and this program will help the best talent to get the chance to reach a top academy. And so they will progress more quickly than, than the previous year. So I am very, very confident that GIF will give us more uh, talented girls, uh, helping them to reach the top. And then after this level, when you are 13 to 16, mm-hmm. then you have to, to have the top team who are helping you to, to continue the progress. And now all our pyramid is really full from the base to the top and we just need to have more talent.
1: The change seems to be coming that we can start to think about a point where we don't use a word tokenism. Tokenism. We, the change seems to me to be coming where we are getting closer to a point where it won't be about... Here is,
2: for,
1: for, it won't it won't be about just here is an example of what could be possible, but yeah. it becomes normal. Yeah. yeah. What's the next step towards that? Is it academy? Is it success for the girls in
2: I mean you know competition is competition, you have the same problem for, for for me I don't make a difference. You know, I don't make the difference between men and women. Once you have this chance to have the, the good possibilities. Mm-hmm. So now what we need is to to get because now we are in the situation where next year, you know, we will have another team because uh, the Iron Dams, they Mm -hmm. want to create another female team. But we are looking for the potential to go in this team. So now we are in the situation where we have team who are ready to offer you the condition, but we don't have enough girls. Okay. So we are still in this situation, you know, Uh, to have three top team next year it's not uh, obvious Okay. so what we need is to have more talented girls who are arriving to the top because now, before all the previous year we had the girls they were at this level but mm, we didn't have the chance to go higher now we have the chance to go higher but we don't have enough girls
1: I remember many years ago um, at a press conference for the Le Mans series Vanina Ix was driving an LMP1 car. Sure, sure, sure. And I remember a response she gave to a journalist that she clearly knew well, who asked an impertinent question. And Vanina gave a great answer. She said, one of these days, you as a Belgian journalist will ask me as a Belgian racing driver, a question as a driver and not as a woman. That's a long time ago, and we still have that attitude. Less so, but it's still there. Is that the next step? Do we ever get away from that, um, I don't know what you'd call it? I don't think it's necessarily discrimination or almost chemistry. Is that, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, the top of the motorsport is difficult. It's, it's difficult when you see how many men are starting or reaching the, the medium level, how many seats available you have to go to the top. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have enough women, of course, it will still be difficult to reach the top, top, top. Yeah. It's not a question of possibility, ability or physical strength or anything like that. It's just a question of numbers. Yeah. Because it's bloody difficult.
1: Yeah. so (laughs) Very hard now, particularly with budgets (laughs) are going to be very much
2: more difficult. It's very tough, you know. So, but... I think we, we, can, we can show now that it's not impossible. Before we were saying, okay, it will be difficult. Now it's possible, but we need more. Yeah. We, more that can reach this level.
1: And here we have the Richard Mille team, which is great. Great Fantastic. to see that coming. And Fantastic. that will clearly come forward. Yeah. But where we, it looks like we're going to get earlier success is with the GT team. They are truly competitive yeah,
2: i think it's a category who maybe give you more confidence because of course from from gt i have never been driving those cars but i, I know uh, uh, you know i think this category will help you to get the confidence the trust before going to the next yeah. step and it's what will happen with iron dam next year the one who are now in GTE, they will go to the, the other category in wake and and we will have another one coming in so I think it's a good step to, to go to the top really great stuff keep doing what you're doing it's yeah. great it's, <laughs> it's, it's great to say you know you know we talked to yeah. Catherine no, no, I think to we, Christina to and, and also I think uh, you know for me it's a big satisfaction I will say even uh, an honour to 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 see that finally my dream <laughs> to, to to reach to have a professional team that we have now teams who are proposing So we would like to see with you which girl we can have because we want to have a woman, a female team. And this is really a change in the attitude. So for me, to get the confidence and the trust from professional team towards women, it's a big step.
1: One other quick question. It's moving away from... Drivers. From? Drivers. Moving yeah. away from drivers. Yeah. And it's women in other aspects yeah. of the sport.
2: Yeah, I, I was going to tell you that okay. because it's this is not only. We are talking competition, oh, yeah. if you can say. But we can see that we have more women in oh. engineering, more women in mechanical... Way. It's great. Yeah, it's great. And this, I think, is what will happen now with uh, our girls on track program. Because mm-hmm. this little girl suddenly they discover that ah, communication is fantastic in motorsport. I like it, and you know, or, or then that you are designer. I don't. I don't know why we don't have more designer in in a. You know. In, 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 let's in face it,
1: sport let's face it girls have more style than we do yeah <laughs> so I mean <laughs> yeah, substantially more it's true it's
2: true so uh, all the, all the you know more official more marshals more you know volunteers so hmm? and journalists heard? journalists yeah. yeah I said yeah. communication yeah. so yeah. it's it's uh, But if you help them at the base when they are young to discover that, then you are maybe attracted.
1: And then you get a critical mass.
2: Yeah, I think it's the only way. I fully agree with Susie on that, and it's why we have joined our programme Dare to be Different with Girls on Track, because uh, we are absolutely convinced that if you don't increase your base, you will never have more at the top. That's the key. It's so difficult. It is. That's the key. So you need more to try. To get one or two that uh, can that go succeed. up to the top,
1: yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Keep of course.
2: Up. Then you also need the character. You know, need the right person. But this is for men or women; it's the same. Yeah. It's, it's not fun. easy.
1: <laughs> well, as you can hear in the background Paul Ricard Circuit, as the cars are out on track for the first free practice session for the European Le Mans series, a delayed start to this series as everywhere else, delighted to be here in the sunshine and with such a strong grid and particularly delighted, the man sitting across the table from me at the moment is the president of the ACO, Pierre Fionpierre. pierre I want to say really welcome back,
3: it's, it is great to be back on the track isn't it? Yes, it's great to be to back on track and uh, it's, uh, I'm very happy to hear the noise of the engine uh, behind us. It's been quite a while. We're
1: going to just cover off a couple of things quickly uh, in this brief interview for Inside the Sports Car Paddock. Um, the first is, what's going to be a very different Le Mans 24 Hours coming? We've seen a variety of messages coming out from the ACO as you work with local state authorities on the health side uh, to come up with a solution to get people in to watch the great race. It must have been quite a challenge.
3: <laughs> yes, was a challenge uh, for sure Le Mans will be different uh, first it will be in September so it's not in June and uh, you know that uh, the night the duration of the night is, uh, is uh, more important in, uh, in September uh, the second thing uh, it's we completely change the timing of the, of the weeks uh, as you know we, we will concentrate to reduce the cost and to help the, for the spectators and for all the fans uh, to have a, a great event we concentrate the, all the timing on f- 5 days Yeah. so you will have technical uh, scrutiny uh, on the Wednesday and uh, you, you will have practice on Thursday mm-hmm. and Friday on Friday we will uh, have the new hyperball uh, and we will have the race on Saturday, and the start of the race will be at 2:30 uh, to help people to have, uh, to, 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 to have on the Sunday can uh, come back uh, to the house uh, to uh, at home because uh, in September everybody will work on Monday, uh, and it will be easy for the television because you have uh, the. Mm, the finish of the Tour de France uh, on the same date but, uh, the finish is at five so no clash between our two events. Uh, the, with the coronavirus uh, we don't know if uh, we didn't know until uh, normally you can't organize uh, an event with more than 5,000 people. Before the 1st of, sep- of September, but we will don't, we will don't know. We will not, we will not know uh, what will happen after the 15th of August. We will have some announcement for the government. Uh, maybe it will be the end of the limitation of the 5,000. Maybe it will be other thing. Yeah, it's a virus. We decide what will be, what will happen. It's it's a huge event. It's huge numbers of
1: people normally, and it's a huge size, physical geographical size yes. event. And that gives the opportunities. And you've come up with the idea of the zoned approach to effectively, there's multiple five thousand people events. Um, you, have I would imagine, done that in consultation with public health authorities t- to talk through what is possible under the current situation. But you've also made it clear, and it may be a message that's been missed by some, that the final decision is, as you quite rightly said, not yet here, yet today. Because again, as so often through this extraordinary time, we simply don't know.
3: Yes, we don't know. But, you know, our main concern is the safety. Safety for for sure for the competitors, safety for the, our partners, for our uh, our. Personal, uh, uh, your own staff, yeah, yeah. our staff, yes, and and for the spectators. Yeah. So it's the reason why we we discuss with the local authorities. Uh, we have a, a, a big uh, surface uh, on the Mans and it's the reason why we propose to have some uh, village with limited to five thousand people because. If the government think at this time five thousand, it's a good, uh, it's a good uh, volume uh, for the safety. We prefer to keep this, and uh, we you will have some uh, village with parking, with uh, camping, yep. and in each village we will have some big uh, screen. Uh, you will have some animation, you will have some re- uh, restaurant and so on. And, and everybody gets a view of the track. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And with that, we can uh, have uh, at least four or five villages, maybe more, uh, uh, and we will release that after the 15th of August. But it's the best solution. One. The event. It's the most important, and we can have some spectators. Okay, it's, it will be limited, but uh, safety first. Safety first. But in parallel, we will organize uh, something special with uh, digital. Okay. To, for the people, uh, will not have yep. able to come. So an enhanced service have, for people to, to follow? Have, to have uh, another experience. Okay. To have a best experience in terms of digital. We will really that in the, next, uh, in the next weeks. Okay. But we are working on that.
1: Excellent. So that means that there will be an opportunity for is people the
3: res- to... The, re- the reason why we, we spoke about uh, 24 hours, Solidaire and Responsible.
1: Yes. So we wait and see what that offer is going to be from this year. You must be quite relieved that we know we've got an event now. Um, as we sit here and speak, we've not yet seen what we know is going to be a revised entry list. We know that that's going to see a number of cars from the current list that have withdrawn and more of the reserves called up. But it will still be a very good number.
3: Yes. So, so, so the list will be released this afternoon. <laughs> uh, but it's a very good number. Yes. Let's talk about the future. We, we, we are in a world of,
1: we don't know yet. We've got some significant anniversaries coming up for the great race, particularly in 2023, of course. This must have made an impact in terms of your ability to make decisions now on a work programme um, to prepare for that for 2023. That's not, you can't yet decide,
3: can you, when that work starts? fact at this time we cannot decide. Uh, The centenary will be a big, big event for sure and we are working on that. We have a lot of ideas Uh, and you know in 23 you will have the 24 hours or you will have Le Mans Classic and uh, we are working on a big, big surprise for for the centenary. Uh, It will be a big, uh, big event for the SEO. Uh, as you know, we have the project to rebuild the grandstand, uh, but with the crisis, uh, we have to wait for to, to, to make the decision to begin the works, and uh, we will have a dis- We will make a decision in November. Okay. And there's no point in dis-
1: discussing anymore. It's like so many other things; we don't yet know. Final thing I wanted to cover with you is one of the other great frustrations of this time, which is uh, you were there at the top table, I was there in the audience in January at Daytona at the most extraordinary announcement in my time reporting Endurance Racing. Convergence for a top class uh, globally, uh, the LMDH class and Convergence with Le Bon Hypercar, which of course arrives with us next year. And then the lockdown starts. Can you give us an impression of how things are going in the background, is work done the way? Is the interest still there? How patient are we going to have to be?
3: Uh, one thing is important that we never stop the work about the, uh, the convergence. And as you know, we we uh, we did the convergence and. More than we expect because we have a perfect convergence between LMH and LMDH, same weight, same AO, same uh, power, and so on. Uh, so we made this announcement in January. The lockdown arrived, for sure. It was not a good, uh, uh, the best period to to work. In fact, it was not the case. It was not the case. We work. We worked hard with the uh, IMSA, with all the manu- with the constructors of uh, the chassis and with all the manufacturers. And during all the lockdown uh, we had uh, two or three meetings every, every week and uh, at the end we realized a perfect convergence between LMH and LMDH. Uh, we have very good feedback from uh, the manufacturers and at this time the process is going on. Uh, we will announce the f- final regulations in the fall. Uh, I don't know if it will be a video press conference or not. <laughs> you, you will see. Uh, but we will announce the, the, the last, the, the, the final regulation in during the twenty-fourth of the i And I'm, I'm, I'm very confident. And okay, we have. We have to be patient because nobody will know exactly what will be twenty-one. Uh, so, uh, but I think we have the SEO and IMSA make their part of the work. No, it's in the hand of uh, the industry. Uh, the industry, but we have a very, very good solution. This is you can you can you can, ra- you can run in the uh, WC in the North. In IMSA, with the same car, uh, you can choose LMH or LMDH, and the, the costs are very, very low. Yeah. For between, I, uh, I, I can't speak about uh, exact the, the, the exact price today. Yeah. But able to win the more, to win a championship, a world championship and uh, to work at for this, this, uh, this level of competition, this level of cost, it's very, very good. Uh, I think we have the, the, uh, all the, the chances in our side to, to I
1: success. Guess, I guess the final question on that front is, is this. It's been a really difficult time for motorsport, it's been a really difficult time for the automotive industry in general. In terms of the discussions, have you seen any drop-off in terms of interest from those manufacturers at this point? We, we're not expecting people to commit in this in this climate. That will, what, presumably next year at the very earliest, before we'll start to hear
3: positive yes, uh, even no from anybody. What I can say today, is no, any, no, no drop-off. We continue to discuss with exactly the same people, the same manufacturers than before. So the interest is still. Uh, the same level as before the crisis. Of course, we don't know what will happen, Uh, but we speak about 22 and 23, so we wait and
1: see. The market basically will come to you and tell you what they require. Yes. And what we've heard already from your team and from the IMSA team is that there is flexibility about making that happen. Meantime, on to 2021 and hypercar. Are you looking forward to seeing those new cars for the first time? It's always good to see a brand new class of car for
3: 21. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think we will have uh, some uh, presentation of the cars in, uh, in Le Mans. Uh, so uh, you know, that Toyota is, uh, is working hard. You know that Jim Leclerc is working hard. You know that Coles is working hard. So. Uh, we will have a, uh, I think we will have a good grid in H uh, in 21, and we have uh, some good perspective from 22. Uh will Peugeot, will come back, uh, and we will, uh, I think we will have some you know, other announcements before the end of uh, the year. Excellent.
1: final thing is about the new world we are now living in, and The watchword for everybody is cost-cutting. Where are you on that? What what can we do? What can everybody do at this moment to to help the core of these grids, these professional teams? You know that
3: um, the the, the good side of this crisis is that we can think in, in... the directions and nothing before you can, you, you, you can propose some ideas and say, No, it's not possible. It's not. I think today everything is possible. So, what we have to do, so we, 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 we try, we, we work on the regulation with LNDH and we reduce uh, drastically the cost. Uh, but uh, now we have to uh, make everybody on the table. Discuss what we can change about the format of the race, about who work uh, on, on, the, on, on the car, about well, the practice. About we have to rewrite to the put book. anything on the table. Yes, and to, to, to make something new. Uh, and nothing is impossible. Look at the new format for, from uh, NASCAR mm-hmm. in the same day. The yep. why not? Why not? What is it? It's important to continue to have uh, a good spectacle for the uh, fans, and uh, reduce the cost at the maximum, and continue to think about the new technology, because I think we have to accelerate about the decarbonisation of our world and motorsports, uh, this is, uh, you know, that this is a uh, philosophy of Flemont, uh, and the reason why we continue to, to work on the hydrogen, but not with crazy budget. Yeah. So, uh, so what is uh, the, the, the most important now is to put everything on the table with all the... Sustainability yes. in every single way, isn't it? Yeah. Sustainability
1: mm-hmm. financially, sustainability in terms of the environmental side of things final point from me. We saw a radical step from the ACO with the solution that was brought forward very early with the Asian World Series. And I think that's attracted attention from the public and from the teams. Uh, yes, with some concerns, but that the principle of it is to bring down cost and to accommodate what teams need, which is to use their assets and to find space for them to run maybe a second programme. That was... Smart, how, how quickly did you come to that conclusion with the asia Monte? team? Uh, it was a good...
3: We have this idea with, uh, with uh, Cyril. Uh, we had, you know, uh, we announced the first calendar, and this first calendar began in... Uh, Suzuka? In yep. Suzuka, and uh, China, and so it was a classic calendar. With the lockdown, quickly we, we, we know that it will be difficult to go uh, in Japan and in China in, in, 20, 20, in 2020. So, uh, so it, we, uh, our reflection is what, what, can, we, what can we do? Uh, and at the same time, we understand that we need to reduce cost for the teams uh, and to be sure that they come they will be able to come to Asia Uh, and this solution uh, of two races uh, races in two weeks in two countries uh, was the the, the best thing to, to propose, to offer, and we discuss with uh, all the competitors involved in, uh, in ASEAN and, and I just said, okay, this is, a, this is a good
1: way. We're going to see you out there for the first races? Yeah. Excellent. Good yes, stuff. Sure. Pierre, I'm going to let you get on with what's going to be a very busy weekend here at Port Ricard. Three series, of course, the, agent, the, agent, the European Amon series, the Michelin Amon Cup, and you for this year as well, the brand new Ligier European series, a packed uh, paddock here with, what is it, something like 60 or 70 racing cars. After so many weeks of silence, it's good to hear racing engines. Yes. <laughs> Another inside the sports car paddock chat from Paul Rickard and with the Leisure European Series, a brand new addition to the package uh, in the very first race outside the windows here. Um, in the United Autosports hospitality suite with the two co-owners. We don't often get them in the same place together. Uh, to my immediate left, Richard Dean, and sitting opposite me, Zach Brown. Gentlemen, delightful to see you here. Real success here for the team so far this weekend. Obviously, qualifying to come and races this evening and tomorrow Michelin Lamont Cup and ELMS. We can talk a bit about that, but actually, what's more interesting is we're in an extraordinary time in motorsport, and a lot of people in that paddock are worried about the future. I get the impression. That you guys are in a different mindset. That there are plans afoot, depending on the way that things kind of go. We've already run uh, a story that talks about your aspiration to get back to GT racing. Maybe being in a delivery phase at the moment. Is there anything you can tell us on the record about that right now, Richard?
4: (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you'd take this one.
1: Um, well
5: here's what we can tell you Uh, we started in GT racing we are a big fan of GT racing Um, we think Stefan Rattel's organization does an excellent job with a variety of racing series around the world Um, although we're in a global pandemic at the moment um, Richard's done a Excellent job keeping um, United Auto Sports in a, in a very healthy position, and so there are some exciting opportunities out there on how we may be able to build our team and get back into GT racing. And um, so it is something that we are um, currently reviewing and hope to make a decision uh, soon. And uh, needless to say, if we could get back into GT racing, I think it's something we'd be excited to
1: do. Now, the plans we believe for a foot have been a, a time in the making, and we step back a bit from pushing on that because it's not the time to push people to make decisions right now. Uh, but pretty clear that you've been looking very carefully at a substantial uptick in acquiring assets um, to go GT racing. You've got this fantastic new place up in Wakefield, I believe,
4: the Ribob Triangle. Yeah, in Yorkshire. Absolutely. Um, does that have space for a GT program? Um, it's uh, we've gone from where we were operating out of ten thousand square foot to just recently our new facility sixty two thousand square feet. It's amazing how quickly we did fill that. Um, if we keep all the cars moving and in trucks going to events, we have we have room. Um, but we you no, know, we've got we've got room to expand there as well. But we've certainly got room as it stands to take on. Uh, you know, another another series, another category which gives us economies of scale, which is what we all certainly we're, we're looking at to try and navigate our way through what's going to be, you know, a difficult couple of years um, as we come out of what's, what's hit the world financially. So um, rather than scale down, it sounds strange to be scaling up, but certainly spreading all our operations across multiple disciplines seems to be the right move.
1: GT racing has got a pretty well established uh, pyramid, excellent uh, network of national races, continental races, intercontinental races as well. GT4 is beginning to roll it seems. That seems to be where the challenge is right now in, in Europe is that that's where people are being hit maybe a bit harder than elsewhere. GT3, major manufacturer interest and what well, thousands of cars around the world. Is there a Plan is an outline plan. Are you going to hit the ground really running on an international scale, or are you looking to start on a more national scale? We've seen you guys racing the big races in GT3 before now, but we've also seen you with national programs in GT3 and in GT4. Mm.
5: I think we'd be more inclined to want to do something that's uh, international uh, as opposed to national. I think we wouldn't rule that we wouldn't rule that out. Um, McLaren has an extremely competitive uh, GT4 car, and we've got some good contacts there.
3: Um, <laughs> you
5: know a guy. Yeah. We, we know a guy there. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, there, there's... Um, all the manufacturers are involved in, in GT3. Well, not all, but plenty. And I think we would like to have a manufacturer uh, relationship. We've... Um, had uh, different types of uh, factory relationships but um, yeah let's let's kind of see uh, how things uh, play out but if we can add a GT program alongside our, our prototype racing I think that would be a, a good addition
1: to the United stable. And I'll ask one question that's that's very direct which is are we targeting here 2021 or beyond that at this stage?
4: Richard? Uh, yeah I think uh If it was an international programme, 21's a bit ambitious, you know, an international programme that we'd want to go in there and try and compete at the very front, which on the international programme is looking like pro drivers, so it takes a little bit of getting together the funding and, uh, you know, here we are, we're in Paul Ricard in July, although it's the first race of the season, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're getting into the latter part of. 20, uh, 2020, so six months to put together that sort of programme for next year looks unlikely, yep. so I would say if it was an international GT3 it would be 22, but GT4 is definitely uh, on the cards for, for next year I think that's where we'd be targeting 21 for GT4
1: Let's talk about LMP racing now, we're here at Paul Ricard and there's a fleet of new Ligier P3 cars, the first competitive outing for brand new generation of LMP3. You're here with the Oricas as well and running at the front at just about every session uh, out there right now. There's change of foot in LMP racing. LMDH is on the horizon. Le Mans hypercar is just around the corner for the FIWC. Brings I guess into focus two or three things. Choices about where your efforts go in the future in terms of the cars and for that matter, the championships on um, um, what it is you think needs to happen right now to address the big elephant at the room right now which is clearly the impact that's been had on the sport, on the industry on the world as a whole of what we're still going through, the Covid pandemic
4: Well, first of all you know, we're, we're here at Paul Ricard for ELMS, It's 32 cars on the grid, I think it's incredible I think everybody in the paddock's done a, a fantastic job to make it through all of this and it's, uh, we haven't really lost Many cars, um, which is a surprise. We obviously shouldn't be complacent about that because you know it might be difficult next year as well. And um, but you know I think the new LMP3 car has helped uh, enormously. It's an affordable car to run. Um, The introduction of the new 2020 cars that you're seeing here for the first time—that they're competing against each other for the first time in all the official practice sessions. It's the first time we've really been able to compare the new Ducoyne and the new Lige, they look pretty pretty close, um, it's a nice step up all the cars looking to be running reliable, uh, reliably and uh, certainly from where we were we've got a great relationship with with Lige over many years and we were in no doubt where we were going to go with our LMP3 choice and it seemed to be the right one because as you say we've, we seem to have topped most of the sessions here um, Lige have done a fantastic job um, LMP2 you know still we're not even a year yet with the Oricas but um, we've had some success in in the last couple of wet races and uh, we seem to have got on top of that so LMP2 is a great category but it's expensive and it definitely needs addressing. dressing um, and probably bigger picture stuff I'll hand over to, to Zach who has a i definitely do a lot more day-to-day hands-on and putting fires out that we're, we're currently dealing with operationally. And Zach has a much better view on picture and probably where to go, where we should be going.
1: I, I guess it's, there's two questions to Zach. One is, you're wearing an United Sports shirt, quite correctly. It's, this is a team with ambition. That's very clear. You've invested heavily in the programmes. The programmes have been, in recent years, almost universally successful you're not going to stop, are you? This is going upwards and upwards. Yeah, and you've no, made I, no secret the fact you're interested in the top class.
5: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, well, victory for us would be winning Le Mans outright. as uh, a sports car team. That's your Indy 500. It's your Monaco Grand Prix. Um, so that's what we want to do. And um, you need to be in the top class to do that. I think the new... LMDH rules, while still getting fine-tuned, are um, excellent, and I think that's going to be a huge success. Uh, It's unfortunate COVID has come at the time it has, because I think it will inevitably uh, delay um, the debut of that class, just like it's delayed Formula One rules by a year, etc. So I don't think uh, you know we just have to adapt. Twenty-three at this stage. I I think twenty-two is very optimistic given the situation the world is in and I think because the rules I anticipate it being very competitive and lots of manufacturers getting involved I think you're better off not rushing it and having a stunning debut for your new era sports car racing than work too hard to get to 22 and not quite get there in the debut manner which means you have to solve what 21 and 22 looks like but I think Make short-term sacrifices for long-term gains, as opposed to try and fix the short term and maybe compromise your your long term. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see us in LMDH, and uh, and I think sports car racing, if they get all the classes right, I think you know sports car racing needs to take a look not just at the top class. GTEs become too expensive. GT3 is massively successful. What do you do with LMP2 if you've got LMDH? So I think we need to simplify sports car racing and take a step back and look at the entire grid, not try and solve um, sports car racing one class at a time because you end up solving one and creating other issues Just to take a step back, really try and get 2023 right. I think we've got permission from the world to limp through 21 and 22 because a uh, what's going on that's what every form IndyCar is looking at pushing back their new IndyCar and engine a year so there's nothing to apologize for but let's get 23 spectacular and have an unbelievable era of sports
1: cars is it the moment to be radical is it the moment for a bit of radical thought to think about the inherent cost of everything for starters that's going to be a big uh,
5: I, I think it is and I'm not even sure I'd use the word radical it might feel radical because it's changes i think it's simplify. look at what's working look at what's not working make some simple decisions that might feel radical but i think it's all laying out there what i think sports car racing could look like and i think the classes exist there's just um, inconsistency amongst the different series and kind of you know band-aid approach on some classes and some time and I think uh, I think the class the successful classes are there, they're not all just bundled in
1: one series yet. It's a it is a sort of radical vision. Simplification because of course it means that people with asset are gonna have to think about how long they've got that asset for. GTE is a classic example. You mentioned LMP2 and LMP2 here is successful. How long can that continue if LMDH comes and is beginning to bite into those budgets, particularly with the customer car market and the cost coming down effectively?
5: Um, Well, I think if you look at IMSA, which has DPI and LMP2, there's not enough to have two full grids. Um, So I think if LMDH... Uh, which is kind of the foundations in LMP2 tub and hybrid and uh, kind of the, the new era. One has the question, is there room for LMDH and LMP2? You've got great LMP3 racing that's very cost-effective, brand-new cars that are just being debuted, so they have long shelf life. You've got GT3, which is massively successful. You've got GTE that's struggling, so I think the writing's on the wall, what, four classes I'd pick, and I think what you have to do is you have to look at what's the ideal class structure and then be sympathetic to those, that that ideal class structure. You know, look at what's ideal and then reverse into, all right, who do we have to help or how do we have to get there, because you don't want to hurt anyone along the, the way. Not everyone can afford to go just run and buy new cars or what have you. So, But I think if you... Um, start with the ideal result and then reverse into how you get there is a better approach as opposed to trying to start with uh, what you've got and trying to band-aid it to a better solution. I think it becomes too difficult to, to get there that way.
1: So potentially LMDH, LMP3, and GTE in some form as a potential mix for multiple international championships.
5: That would be my my view, I mean, devil's in the details, but um, I think these LMP2 teams have a choice. Go LMDH or go LMP3 and even call it LMP2 if if you want to. It's still the second fastest prototype class, but those cars are uh, brand new, fantastic, and much less expensive to run. And then whether it's GTE, GT3, call it what you want, GTD, call it what you want, we know where there's the heaviest concentration of manufacturer GT cars, both for pro and pro-am. And then you've got four classes and three types of race cars. Your top prototypes, your second prototypes, GTs, and you've got a pro class and a pro-am class, which is what sports car racing has always been about, is the pro and the pro, pro-am. pro And then you've got your pro prototypes, your pro-am prototypes, your Pro-GTs and your Pro-Am GTs, or GTs. Um, that seems like that would be massively
1: successful. We'll see whether we get the nod for that kind of vision from the ACO and from IMSA in particular, to where we uh, it looks like at the moment uh, there's probably a better conversation underway than we've had for some time in a number of areas. Now's the time to continue that conversation further down the grid, Matt. Right? I agree. we can leave it there for the moment. Uh, and thank uh, both Zach and Richard for their time. Their cars are going to be back on track uh, very soon, um, bidding for success in those two championships. And we'll see you at the next race. Well, there's a bit of a hard pause there um, in the chat with Richard Dean and Zach Brown uh, because not really sure about timing for Inside the Sports Car Paddock this week. And there is a particular announcement that these two gentlemen just told me that's going to be made uh, later this week uh, on Thursday of this week and it's an exciting one it's something that uh, the team has not been involved in at all and which you guys is going to tell the listener exactly what it is you're going to be doing and who
4: with I can probably start that and hand over to over to Zach on the sort of concept of the series but first of all we're going to uh, partner with Andretti who we've worked with closely uh, and for coming up to three years now on the Auss- Aussie V8 uh, supercars out in Australia. Um, so we're going part with, to partner with Andretti on a new team Andretti United Extreme, which will take part in the new Extreme E Championship that starts uh, t- starts next year, starts in March next year. Um, I think the provisional calendar is out and we're going to Announce a new calendar or a confirmed calendar very soon. Um, it's it's exciting. It is extreme. It's uh, uh, a follow-on from uh, the success of Formula E, um, and Zach can probably go into a little bit more detail on that.
5: Yeah, I think uh, well, we're very excited. It's a new uh, adventure for us. I think adventure is the right word given the type of racing it is. Um, obviously, Alejandro Agag uh has done uh, wonders with with formula e and um today's day and age there's a big place for uh electric and sustainable uh motor racing alongside other uh racing activities so i think it's not uh um i think like motorsports there's a lot of different uh, exciting classes uh, michael andretti as richard mentioned is someone that uh, uh I grew up watching racing. I like to say that just so I can date him. Um, and uh, his father is a big uh, big hero of mine. So um, we've had this great partnership with uh, Walkinshaw. Uh, I also worked with uh, Michael in 2017 at uh, Indianapolis with Fernando Alonso. Uh, so just an outstanding relationship and an exciting new form of uh, motor racing and uh, you know we're believers in uh, the vision that uh, Alejandro uh, and E have and uh, so very excited to enter this new form of uh, motor racing and
1: where's the effort going to be based?
5: Banbury oh right okay because we don't have enough facilities already <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
5: that is going to be a real mix between that's where Andretti's Formula E team is, yep. is, is based so uh, given the Similarities between the the two uh, series albeit ones on dirt ones on uh, tarmac um, but because of the uh, knowledge on the um, electric side that's where we're going to uh, base the team
1: and how far along are plans in terms of the package, the car the, the team personnel, the technology how far along are things right now?
4: Well, the, from the personnel side of it, it's, it's a genuine uh, split between Andretti and United, so personnel will be split, and you know, all the various departments will get into detailed conversation about that now from a technical side down. Um, as Zach quite rightly says, Andretti's have got the experience on, on the E side uh, from their Banbury unit. That's why we're going to base it there, and uh, it made perfect sense for us to not try to be too adventurous and going on our, our own. Um, because they've got that experience and, and been successful at it, um, you know the, the technical side. Um, Extreme e team from um, Alejandro's side has been, you know, really professional. We've we're, we're, we're been joining in lots of uh, video conference calls from the technical side, from the sporting side, from the commercial side, and the operational side. How the whole all the events work, so all that's unfolding, they're very prepared, very organised, very structured about it, they're very committed and know exactly what they want to do. Um, I think we, I don't know whether that we're allowed to announce when we get the cars but it's in the not too distant future and a test organised, I think all of that will come out in due course.
1: Lots and lots of more detail to come. Exciting, m- uh, more exciting plans from you know, just sort of all the sports. Gentlemen, thanks for trusting us with that so we can get this podcasted out there and good luck for the rest of this weekend and the rest of the season. It's not going to be long before the end of this season, is it? Yeah,
4: thank you. Thank
1: you. Just after the press conference for the end of the start of the season, the 2020 season, the European Le Mans series, at a very sunny, warm, Paul Ricard in the south of France. And uh, winning car, the 32 United Autosports car with Alex Brundle, with job for but with the man as well standing next to me at the moment, Will Owen. Will, you look delighted. That was one hell of a drive for you to start that race.
6: Yeah, thanks, man. It was absolutely um, just such a fun race to drive, and uh, the car was mega, which made my job really, really easy. really this Orica is is so finely tuned in and the United guys have put in so much time over the quarantine to get it right. And, um, you know, we only had two races with it last year, so we were still getting up to speed and here we come out of the long break and just have absolutely nailed it. So for me, it was easy. I got to thank the guys because it was just an absolutely brilliant setup. Really love to drive it. Maybe the key is just take five months off before you go (laughs) racing again. Yeah. So now when when would that put the next race? I don't even want to think about that. No, that'd be awful. no, but it has it has been an advantage just for us, just since we were new to this chassis, and uh, there was a lot of things that we f- were figuring out, but it was just perfect to have that extra time to, you know, massage all the parts together and get it perfect, so that's what we've done, and it's been an error-free race, I'm super happy about it.
1: There must have been some dramas, some concerns about actually getting here in the first place, not just with the championship racing, but also with the current Potential restrictions between the United States and Europe has that been on your mind?
6: Absolutely. Yeah. To be honest, it's been on my mind a lot, and uh, it's kind of a crazy story. To be honest, until three weeks ago, I didn't think I was going to make it over here for sure because we knew even in like you know May that they were not going to let American tour, you know, anybody from a certain from certain countries come over. Um, so we were already thinking, okay, I'm not, you know, I need to find need to find some extra plans because I'm not going to be able to go to Europe. But then. One day, Richard Dean uh, with United emails me and says that we got a, a permit, basically. So they worked with through the series, through LMS, uh, with the French government and you know immigration and all that to um, come in as a, as a sportsman and uh, as an athlete. And uh, it worked. Yeah, it was flawless. So we still have to kind of deal with the same problem going forward, but I think this set the precedent and uh, we should be good to go. So yeah, really, three weeks ago, I was at home not knowing I was going to be here. <laughs>
1: Well, it should be substantially easier next time if you just bring your trophy.
6: Yeah, exactly, and show them what we did. Yeah, yeah, it's some photos and a trophy. and Well, they should know who I am, right? I shouldn't even... Well, even you'll I we all do, we all
1: do. Well, that is a spectacular field to P two cars out there. There's nothing else like it anywhere in the world. What is it like to be amongst that lot? What is it like to be battling out there?
6: Um, it's, well, it's an awesome feeling, and when you do have the best to compare to, it's really nice because if you do a good job, then you know you're just so close to what really good drivers are and you you can judge yourself well compared to that. It's just easy to learn stuff because if you're quick and you're driving against quick drivers, you see what they do and you see where they're better than you and, and whatnot. So um, you know that if you win, you've done better than, than the, a lot of the really best guys out there. So um, yeah, that was, that was the situation today when I, when Philippe was behind me and we were back and forth and there were corners where he was better and corners where I was better. And um, well, I've always learned from him, so <laughs> it's not stopping now. <laughs>
1: I think I said at the start of the interview, uh, I think that's possibly your best drive ever in an LMP2 car. Did it feel that good?
6: It definitely did. And I think I think pace-wise, uh, it was definitely my best drive compared to the field. Um, it was definitely a game of being careful. And I think that's definitely uh, that's a skill that I have is taking care of the car in general, knock on wood, of course, and um, fuel saving and stuff. So we had to take care of it. Um, not hit the curbs as much and I would have liked to have pushed harder but that was not the the end goal and all three of us Alex and Yob did such a fantastic job of that you know Um, but yeah I gotta give credit just to, to the team for setting the car up because it was easy to drive, I'll put it that way
1: Final question is about this place. this is a spectacular place to go motor racing, but uh, there've been all sorts of issues with tires all week. Uh, we've got low degradation. it's fairly recently been relayed for Formula One. but all sorts of concerns as well and unfortunately that's what caught out your teammates' car the twenty two car with a puncture late race.
6: Yeah, and that's an important thing to say. I mean I'm sad for them obviously and it benefited us but um, so i gotta you know gotta take the good luck when it comes and celebrate and stuff but obviously for them. I am bummed for them because it could have been an easy, a good one, two for the, well, not an easy, but it could have been a one, two for the team, which we obviously would have been, would have been really great. Um, but you know, it's gone our way this time and it, we won't other times. So I'm happy about it. I'm very thankful for it. And, um, yeah, we're going to, we'll come back stronger. I think, I think one of our biggest strengths was doing so much testing during the prologue on the tires. We knew that this was going to be an issue and we tried a lot and it was pretty frustrating then because we kept having issues, um, but then we figured out the formula, uh, we figured out which curbs not to hit and we made them last in the prologue, we did two double stints and we were saying, okay, this is, this is perfect, now it's in our advantage because we know the key to, to making it last. So, yeah, it turned out.
1: We speak again, we'll be speaking to you, Will Owen, as the Championship Leader in the European Le Mans Series and with just five races, every one of these is going to be important.
6: Yeah, that's definitely right, I didn't even think of that. Five races and Championship Leader, that's a, that's a title I haven't held in, in quite a while, so what a great thing.
1: But for now, well done, and we'll see you next time at Spa.
0: Thanks again to Graham and all of our guests for making some time. We're certainly going to try and do some more here throughout the rest of the kind of weird, crazy year. You might also notice that not only did we take six months between episodes, maybe even longer, we also did not have our traditional open to the show, that being with Jeff Brown, race engineer. So Jeff, who's very busy this weekend running ferrari challenge drivers at indianapolis motor speedway well we're going to give our pal jeff a little bit of a break but we also hope to do another dedicated old bad race engineer marshall pruitt and old excellent engineer current engineer jeff brown show so we'll get that going here shortly as well but nonetheless thanks to graham thanks to our guests thanks to you for listening thanks to bell racing helmets torontomotorsports.com justice brothers and also cooper tires and if you haven't had a chance check out marshallpruittpodcast.com we have almost 900 episodes waiting for your listening enjoyment all right i am marshall Pruitt. thank you for listening